0: My name is Harrison Ross, I'm on staff here at Watermark. I'm excited to be with you tonight. We're gonna dive in. Who here here likes art? Anybody in here like art? Some fans of art? I love art. I grew up going to museums with my mom uh, and it's not the thing, most kids are playing on playgrounds and we're sitting quiet in a museum. But I learned to love art. And one of my favorite artists that is out there today is not the typical ones you'd see in a museum. He's not a Da Vinci or a Monet or a Rembrandt. His name is Banksy. Anybody familiar with Banksy? Some yes, some no. He uh, is a notorious figure in the art culture because he is a street artist. So he's a graffiti artist. He does tagging. He does these huge mural artworks. Uh, that is more of a social commentary. He's kind of poking fun at the urbanization of our environments and the things that happen when you're in in an urban culture. So here are a couple pieces by Banksy. This is kind of just, as you see, a kid has to play on a fire hydrant because there's nowhere else to go. That's the fun and games. Another one is all of our parks are really parking lots. So he just does these tongue-in-cheek things. And so one thing that he did, he's based in the UK, He's a London-based artist. He came to the States, to New York for 30 days to do an installation every day for 30 days. This was one of them, where he just poked fun at the graffiti in New York City and said, this this is my New York accent, but this is normally how I talk. And so he just does stuff like this all over the globe. While he was in New York City, this pop-up shop popped up on one of the days full of what looked like Banksy artwork. And so if you've ever been to New York City, there are these little shops all over the city uh, that they're selling little trinkets, they're selling souvenirs, they're selling really cheap artwork, whatever it is. So this is on the outside of Central Park and there is this shop with an old man that you saw who was just yawning, bored to tears, selling what seems to be way overpriced artwork compared to all of the other cheap trinkets around it. $60 for a spray painted stencil, on a canvas. Would you pay that? Thousands of people walk by this booth in one day. It sat there for one day from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Thousands of people walk by and see $60, nah. So in the span of a whole day, in this yawning old man, two people buy a penny. Two people think that what they see is worth something, is valuable, is something that they would wanna have. Because in this city full of cheap trinkets and a park full of gimmicks and tricks and t-shirts and novelties, $60 seemed way too expensive, way too high of a value for what really was undervalued by everybody else. Anybody in here feel like that painting or that group of paintings? Wanting to be wanted? Wanting to feel like you're worth something? Maybe 60, maybe more? Everyone just kind of walks by, nah, maybe a couple glance, maybe a couple want you and you get excited and then it just moves on and there's nothing about you that seems exciting or lovable. In a world full of hurt and sin and selfishness, people may look at you, you may even look at yourself and think that you are worthless. Because these people would walk around and they'd undervalue artwork. I think we tend to look at things that are in this world and we undervalue a lot, it's easy. But I think the things that we undervalue most are ourselves. I think what you undervalue most is you. You think that who you are, how you look, the job that you have, the friends that you hang out, you think that all of that is this perfect symphony that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough. And so we look for value in how much we make, what others think about us, what we do. Our peace of mind is determined by our relationship status, by the car that we drive, what our boss thinks about you, what you look in the mirror and think about yourself. And it usually is, well, I feel worthless whether I have nothing or whether I have everything in the world, but we try to just fill this feeling to feel valued by stuff, by things, by relationships, by careers, by career shifts, by changing cities, by doing anything and everything we can, fulfilling sexual desires, just binge watching Netflix to numb everything, to eat everything in sight, whatever it is, we try to fill our lives to think, maybe that will give me value, maybe that will help me feel worth something and I don't wanna talk about your value. I think it's something that we all wrestle with. It's core to who we are. It's, it's our identity. It's something that each of us, as we're standing in the morning, brushing our teeth, I have a sonic hair. Shameless plug for dentists out there. Uh, I have a sonic hair, and I have to stand there for two minutes and stare at the mirror. And if I'm honest, what I look at myself, and I judge my love handles or whatever it is. (laughs) The question that we all have, whether we're brushing our teeth or laying in bed is, do I really matter? Am I worth something? Do do I have a purpose on this earth? Do I have value to anyone else? Do I even look at myself and think that I have value for myself? And our value is not determined by what others think about us, we don't have, we're not valuable because of how anyone around you sees you, how you see yourself, but how the creator of the universe sees you. And what he says is that you are valuable, that you are the most valuable thing on this earth. And he is willing to give anything and everything that it takes because he says that you're valuable. If you got your Bibles, we're gonna be studying Ephesians 2.10 tonight. You can pull that out, we'll have it on the screen. We're gonna look at one verse and we're gonna unpack that together. But here's the first thing that you need to know. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe calls you his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, it starts out like this. For we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek in the original translation that they wrote this in, it's called, it says poema. That word poema is where we get the term poem. That's where a lot of this artwork-themed things that we get in our culture comes from. And it means handiwork, workmanship, craftsmanship, masterpiece. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean that there's nothing about you that needs to change. That doesn't mean that uh, there aren't things that are shifting. It means that out of what an artist creates, you are the crowning, defining, best work. out of the portfolio of all the things that this artist has made, the masterpiece is the best of creation, the best thing that is put on display that everyone remembers and it points to him and they remember him forever for it. That's you, his masterpiece. For a summer I worked as a dude ranch in Wyoming So what I would get to do, uh, instead of sleeping in an apartment or a house in Dallas where we really have no beautiful things other than great food, I would get to wake up and go on top of a mountain and I'd go while it's still dark and I would sit there and I would watch the world wake up and I would watch God paint a beautiful picture of a sunrise every day. As the sun slowly starts to rise, I could see more mountains coming in the distance and I would see these color schemes and I would see these shadings and these shadows. It was the most beautiful place I had ever seen. I don't know if you're a mountain guy or girl. I don't know if you're into the beach. I don't know what it is that you think is the most beautiful thing of creation. But Genesis 1 talks that God is the creator. He created the heavens and the earth and everything that we see, the animals, the animals, the the majestic things, the sunrise and sunset, every day and out of all that God created, you are the best of creation. You are his masterpiece. you believe that? I don't. I mean, it it inspires me. I, I know it. I know it is true in scripture, I know it is true in this verse, but if I'm honest with myself and with you, I don't believe that about myself when I'm brushing my teeth in the mirror in the morning. I feel like a failure, I feel like a fake, I feel like I don't even like myself most days when I'm looking at it, so really, I need to hear this message as much as you. I don't know where you are tonight, I don't know what you're thinking, what thoughts that you have going through your mind, Do you feel like a masterpiece? God calls you his masterpiece. If I'm such a masterpiece, then why does my body look like this? I mean, supermodels are a masterpiece. Sure, I get that, but you see this body that I got? You talked about love handles. I've got some love handles that are unlovable, buddy. Check this out. I'm no masterpiece. If I'm so much of a masterpiece, then why am I still single while all my friends are getting married? If I'm so much of a masterpiece, then why does my life suck? You see the car I drive? All my friends have this push button start. I don't have a button I can push on my fob. I'm still putting in a car key that I got to get from Home Depot because I lost the other one. I'm still stuck in the 1980s in this thing. We're coming up on summer, and I have to get a spray fan to just keep from not sweating. I'm either going to sweat or be soaking wet. Either way, my life sucks. Masterpiece. You know where I work? I'm not slinging pizzas around and delivering pizzas, but I'd rather do that than the job that I hate. I hate myself because of where I work. If I'm so much of a masterpiece, what, what about that? If I'm so much of a masterpiece, then why do I feel like my boss tears me apart every time I meet with him? If I'm so much of a masterpiece, then why did he break up with me when I thought I'd marry him? If I'm so much of a masterpiece, why do I get rejected by every girl that I ask out? I don't see me as a masterpiece. How can God see me as a masterpiece? Well, maybe you are the masterpiece that everyone's trying to be. Maybe you don't look at yourself and go, man, my life's terrible. Maybe you're going, yeah. Uh, valet, my Tesla, or Range Rover on the way in here. <laughs> Fresh pressed suit. Beautiful girlfriend. Yeah, I am that masterpiece. But if I'm so much of that masterpiece, then why do I really hate myself? If I am this masterpiece that most everyone else in this room wants to be, why do I still feel no value? I've got more money than any of my friends around me, but I am nowhere near happy. I finally got the job and the promotion that I've been working for for three years and had no life to get, but I don't feel any more valued or loved. I've got the girlfriend that everyone thinks is the most beautiful in the world, but I don't feel valued. Masterpiece? Me? Masterpiece of crap, maybe. but God calls you his masterpiece. The reason that we don't feel like a masterpiece is because we're looking to all the wrong things to give us value. You're looking all around you. You're looking within you. You're looking to the stuff, to the things, to the desires, the fulfillment. You're looking at everything that will fill you, all of what will fill you, and the reason you're not being fulfilled and feeling valued is because you're not looking to the person who can You're looking to you, you're looking to everyone else and everything else. But guys, the truth is, God is the one who gives you value. He calls you his masterpiece and he gives you value because he is the artist of your life. He's the best artist that ever created. Better than Kanye, don't tell him. Better than Rembrandt, Monet, Van Gogh. Da Vinci, Picasso, better than any artist that has ever lived. And he has a purpose for your life, a plan for your life. He has a perfect picture in mind of what he wants for you. He's forming you, shaping you, molding you, intentionally creating a beautiful picture with every stroke, every color, every gift, every talent, every way he created you is purposeful. Because he's the artist, not you. You don't define your value. We want to, we try to, we think we can, we, we would rather, but God is the one who gives you value. God is the one who created you in the first place. Psalm 139 talks about he has knit you in his mother's womb. He has formed you, he has shaped you. He already made you. But we then try to turn around and think that well, we're not good enough. I don't feel that value. I'm not enough, and so I've got to do something that's going to make me feel valuable. If you've ever been to a museum, you see all these pictures hanging on a wall, some of them really well-known, some of them not so well-known, and it, you can step away and go, wow, this is wonderful, but if you ever go really up close to a painting, it really kind of sucks. I don't care who the painter is. You go up close, and if you've never seen from far away, my own judgmental eye can just go, okay, this is a bunch of random brushstrokes, globs of paint, random colors that are put together. There's nothing special about this. But when you step away, you see that there is a picture that someone other than the viewer or the canvas itself has perfectly put in place because it followed a plan that he had. What seem like random strokes and crazy colors and things that don't seem to fit together form to be a beautiful picture and a masterpiece. Up close, when we look at ourselves or allow others to look at us or we look at others, we may seem like there's nothing special. But when you look from God's perspective, because he created you and he is the artist of your life, he gives you value and defines that you are good. For you are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 says, It goes on to say created in Christ Jesus. He has already made you when you came out of your mother's womb. But then he creates us anew in Christ Jesus. But we don't even like that. And we try to be our own artist. It seems kind of controlling of God if he's up there with the paintbrushes. And so what we try to do is go over and snatch the paintbrush out of his hand and go, all right, God, you know what? This plan that you've got for me is not really working out for me, so I'm gonna take it from here. Good, good, up there. You turn into Harry Potter, whatever it is. (laughs) And we think that we are gonna create a masterpiece greater than he can, well, good luck. So let's pretend this is me. This canvas is my life and on here is my plan for my life. On here is when I'm a kid, what I dreamt of being, what I thought one day I'll grow up, I'll be the first man on Mars, fail. Uh, I am terrible at math and it's never gonna happen. SpaceX will get there, Harrison will not get there. This is my plan for my life. I'm not gonna be a World Cup soccer player but, I can continue along the path that I have for me or that I think God would have me go on. And so through high and High School, I grew up in a, a good Christian family. And I go along the road and I try to follow this path and I'm, I'm going along and, uh, and it's good, it's vibrant, it's colorful, it's bright, it's fun, I became a believer When I was really young, I came to know Jesus and I found uh, life in him and knowing the Bible stories and knowing all of these things, and I started to run with some friends in high school. At least I thought they were friends. In college, it started to come into more of a picture of what I wanted to do, what I thought I would do, and along the way, I started to see growth. I started to see that people liked me. I started to see, man, this is kinda working out. I like this brush. This is nice, this is a picture that I wanna fill in. I'd love to go down this road. This feels good, people like me, they affirm me, they wanna be around me. And so I started going to church because that's where all my friends were going and what do you do? And I started growing or at least saying I was. And I started getting involved in college and all these organizations and again, people were liking me and it seemed like on the outside all was going well. I started dating a girl, junior in high school She's so hot. I can say that because we were prom king and queen together, and then she became my wife, and she's still so hot, hotter than ever. And so my life was really going great. But see, all the while, on the outside, you're looking at my picture, and you're like, okay, dude, that's really not that awesome. But I thought it was. But all the while, what's kind of creeping in there? in this little vibrancy of my life in Christ, right in the middle is this secret addiction to pornography. But hey, all the rest is good. It's just a little blemish. It's like not even a solar eclipse, we're fine. So I move on and I keep going through college and uh, I try to keep looking for accolades and I then try to go into the working world and I end up marrying the wife of my youth and we're growing and it's going great. but still this, this, this little thing starts creeping in, starts filling in down over here. This little clicking in high school turned into a 12-year addiction of pornography for me, so that maybe there was growth on this side, but the growth was being stunted over here. So then I get into the working world, and I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, and it seems kinda good, but this growth is, kind of starting to look a little darker because when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not really loving what I see. I seem successful. I had friends, but I didn't really have any close friends. I had success in high school, success in the work world. I had a relationship and a wife, but deep down, I didn't really like it. I was full of depression. Although I had this addiction that I really struggled with, I had friends who helped me and and there was some growth over here, but growth was kind of still in and out of it, in and out of struggling with that. Even today, I haven't been there for 12 years, I know the truth of who Jesus is, but most days, if I'm honest, I'd really love to go look at porn. It makes me feel valuable, it makes me feel wanted. I have a wife who loves me. I have a savior who loves me. But every day I have this desire to go, man, I, I could go have an entire World Wide Web want me. And then I have these lingering prideful thoughts and all of these things that are creeping through my life. Again, I feel in my job like a failure. I feel depressed. I feel like I'm not really loving what I'm doing most times. When I look in the mirror, that's what I see but I'm a church. So then I just try to mask it. I just try to pray more, I just try to read more Bible, I just try to go to church more and go to the porch more, I try to give more money, I try to make it look like that addiction has gone away, I try to look like I'm doing all the right things, but all these good works that I thought would make things new or just clouding on my picture. No matter how hard I try on the stuff that I've already done or even on the, stuff, on the new stuff up here, my picture really doesn't look anything like when I first started. So I go, you know what, I'm just gonna start over I'm just gonna create a new me, it's 2018, New Year's resolutions, we're gonna start over, all that's behind me, I'm just gonna wipe it all away. I'm gonna get rid of it, we're gonna start fresh, it's a new Harrison, it's a new me, no more bad things, and I'll just kinda start fresh, and now my picture is almost completely unrecognizable from what it was before. Now, I'm no art expert, but that's a masterpiece. Anybody crazy enough to buy this painting? I'll give it to you for 60 bucks. Yeah? Come see me afterwards, it's yours. That away, we should start preaching more often. Um, I look at my life knowing full well of what God says of me that I'm his masterpiece, and when I look at me in the mirror, all I see is a mess. All I see is a disaster. I don't see a work of art that is worthy of being displayed, worthy of being paid for, worthy of even being given away. I see trash. Because when I try and take the paintbrushes, when I try to fill in my life, I take it from God. What ends up happening is I make a disaster of my life in the good things that I do, in the great things that I wanna accomplish, in the things that start to creep in and crowd my life and darken my world, I made a mess out of my life. And so did you. But Jesus recreates us. Jesus isn't gonna just let us stay there. This context of Ephesians 2.10, is in the wider context of a passage, and I just wanna read it for you, because it's a passage that has incredibly marked my life Of the truth in Ephesians 2.10, because of the truth in one through nine, and you need to see it. Here's what it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. One through three is my life. One through three is where some of you sit. But I don't create myself. God does. Verse four, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. And raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. This is nothing you can do to make yourself better, to work yourself into anything. This is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works so that we may walk in them. Jesus recreates us into his masterpiece. We can come to him. We can ask him. We can say, Lord, I don't feel like I have any value or anything I try to add value is doing anything in my life but making a mess. So I want you to come in. And when we pray that, we think that Jesus is gonna come in and just fix this little area right here. Okay, that was good. That's all I can handle. (laughs) And so I pray again the next day. And I think that my little Jesus is gonna come in and maybe he'll just smooth this out. Maybe he'll bring a little of the old vibrant life into some of the new life. We picture Jesus sometimes as this tiny little toothbrush of a God that comes in to fix our tiny blemishes because that's all he's big enough to do. That's not my God. That's not Jesus. Jesus came and he died for me. He came and he died for you not to come and just make little parts of your life better, but he came to make you a new creation. He came to make you his masterpiece, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you will do, regardless of how you see yourself, how anyone around you sees you, regardless if you think that you are the most unlovable person in the room or on the planet, he died for you. He he came to earth. He dwelt among us. He then allowed himself to be nailed to a tree, crucified to die so that his blood could cover you, so that your life is not just fixed by a couple little brush strokes of his grace, but so that your life, all the screw ups and mess ups and everything that could be, is dumped in the goodness of who God is in his grace, in his love, in his kindness, in his goodness. so that as you look at your life, all that was there fades away. All that is there that could make you feel unlovable or worthless disappears, and all you see is Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a mess up. He doesn't see a screw up. He sees Jesus. He sees the blood of his son that was poured out for you so that you could know that you are his masterpiece. What God doesn't do is make the canvas disappear, make it all fade away or make it go white again, but red runs all over this place because his grace is what sets us free. His grace is what gives us life. God is the artist of your life, not you. He defines your value. And guys, what art is supposed to do is art glorifies the creator. Art is meant to be on display. It's at rest. It doesn't do anything. It hangs on a wall, and it just is on display for what the artist intended it to be, intended for it to do, it doesn't look for value from the museum-goer. It doesn't sit there on a wall and just go, is someone gonna like me today? You think I think more people are gonna come and want me? More people are gonna wanna read their pamphlet and think that I'm worth something and valuable? You think that people are gonna come and, and think that I'm good or better than the ones next to me? I mean, how crazy would it be if the Mona Lisa is sitting in its little like plexiglass cage hanging on that wall and goes, man, I really wish Da Vinci would have given me a more timeless hairstyle. I really wish he would have made me look a little less frumpy. I really wish that my color palette was a little more like my modern art friends over there, or starry nights hanging on the wall and just going, man, uh, I'm not that clear. I'm not a realist painting. I'm a little blurry and splotchy and no one can really tell what I am. Man, I wish that someone could actually care for me. These are some of the most widely known paintings in the whole world. And it sounds ridiculous because many of us just look around and go, well, she's getting married. How come I'm not? He's got the job that he loves. How come I don't? Everyone else feels like they're getting invited and they're living a life of their dreams. How come I am not? And we're looking to find value all around us instead of the value that God has given us to walk in. The end of that verse says that you are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that you could walk in them. Art is at rest because it doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't have to prove itself. It doesn't have to make itself new or remake itself into something else so that someone will value it. It is who the creator made it and it is at rest and it does nothing. Guys, your purpose is to glorify God exactly how he's made you, uniquely how he's made you. When he created you, he he specifically thought of what you would look like who you would be, the personality you would have, the gifts that you would have, the skills that you would have, and he put you uniquely on this earth for you to glorify him in ways that no one else could. There's lots of different kinds of art out there. Realism, impressionism, statues, pottery, little tiny cloth paintings. All of us are unique. All of us are created with Different gifts and abilities and desires and things that we love and things that we can give love to others, but all of us are his masterpiece put here to be on display for his glory. God made you. Walk in it. God made you his masterpiece. Go, be the Mona Lisa, be the starry night, be all that God made you to be. Be Jessica, be Samuel, be Zach, be Hannah, be who God uniquely made you and glorify him in it, because he defines your value as the artist of your life and he calls you his masterpiece. In that situation in New York, people were walking by this booth of all these different paintings. And throughout the whole day, two people bought paintings for $60, seemed a little more than what maybe the other people thought they were worth. The next day, art experts realized what had happened, and they knew that they were authentic Banksy artworks that each was valued at around $31,000. And so for one day in the middle of Central Park, there was a booth set up of what's estimated around $250 million worth of artwork that most people just walked by and said, that seems worthless. That's the world we live in, guys. Whether you see yourself, the person next to you, your roommate, or how any else sees you, we undervalue who we think we are or defined by the value... Value of everything else around us because we don't know the artist. God wrote his signature on your life for those who know him and have trusted in him and choose to walk in his ways and surrender your life to him. And he calls you his masterpiece, signed in his blood, and he washes it all away. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand so that we may walk in it. Go, walk in it. Be his people. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you that you love us, that you created us, you've formed us, you've shaped us, you have made us in the likeness of who you are. And Lord, even though we try to define our life based on the things around us or the things that we see in ourselves, none of that is gonna give us value. None of that is gonna give us worth. Only by how you see us. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we can fix from our past or do in our future, but all what you have already done for us. And so, Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes over our lives and makes us a new creation that we are your children and we are your masterpiece. That I pray for people in here who do not feel that. Maybe they know it, but they absolutely do not feel that. By your spirit, Lord, I pray that they would know that you love them. You're crazy about them. And I pray that you'd call them to yourself. I pray for people in here who do know you, but just don't believe that truth and are thinking that we have to fix ourselves and make ourselves better. Lord, help us believe that we are your creation and be at rest in that and glorify you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we